My name is Mira Edelstein, and I'm the resource development person at Friends of the Earth Middle East, also foreign media officer and website manager. Um, Friends of the Earth Middle East is a unique organization. We're a regional environmental organization, the only regional organization in the area. We have offices in Tel Aviv, Bethlehem, and Amman. So obviously we work in issues that deal in Israel, Palestine, and in Jordan. And we gather together environmentalists from all the countries, and our focus is on transboundary environmental issues. That's our um, mission, is to take issues of concern of all the peoples and all the countries in the area, we raise awareness about problematic issues, and we work on them not only in a top-down approach by doing research, putting out reports, sitting with government officials, trying to get to the decision-makers from what we call this um, advocacy top-down approach, but we also work on a community level. We're working in 17 communities in the region, soon to be 21, actually soon to be even 23 communities in a community project that we called Good Water Makes Good Neighbors, or Good Water Neighbors for short. Um, and this community project actually brings to life, or from the bottom up, the issues that we've researched. Um, such issues are, for instance, the fate of the Dead Sea that we all know finally today even though we've been crying out for about 15 years, finally today everyone is seeing that the Dead Sea is shrinking, it's dying, it's drying up. Um, this is a complete man-made catastrophe. It's not nature doing its work, although the Dead Sea has seen higher and lower moments, but what we are seeing today is a complete man-made disaster, as we call it. And that is because of poor water management and poor water policies between Israel, Jordan, and Syria mostly that are diverting the upstream waters of the Dead Sea. That means the Jordan River. That's another focal point in our work is the Jordan River. The lower Jordan River that flows from the Sea of Galilee into the Dead Sea is today also almost completely diverted, less than 10% of what used to flow down the Jordan River and into the Dead Sea arrives at the Dead Sea today. And it's not fresh water even, it's sewage, saline springs, agricultural runoff. Um, so we're working very hard on raising awareness, first of all, about the Lower Jordan. Several years ago, people didn't even know that anything was wrong with the Jordan River. They thought it was still a deep, wide, rushing, flowing river, as it is on the north of the Sea of Galilee, but not south of it. So we have made a huge uh, awareness campaign that has paid off. Now today, everyone, really, literally everyone is talking about the Jordan River. Um, so that's another big focal point. Um, another one is what we call the mountain aquifer which is an underground water resource, very important water resource for Israelis and Palestinians. It sits under the West Bank. 
um, a shared water resource that is the most important drinking water for Israelis and certainly for Palestinians in the West Bank. Um, unfortunately, raw sewage it flows over the West Bank area in very many places. It percolates under the ground because of the specific um, characteristics of that area. It does eventually percolate down into the groundwater. Solid waste also um, has its effects when it's a pirate solid waste site and not a, uh, um, a site that is managed properly then that also seeps into groundwater. So again, we're researching um, the groundwater effects of this pollution on the, on, uh, over, over the mountain aquifer, and we're also now implementing a project in, Isra in an Israeli and Palestinian municipality um, working with GIS systems and trying to pinpoint where the pollution is the worst, prioritizing where we should work first, and um, publishing guidelines for municipalities on how they can find their environmental hotspots, so to say, and what they can do about that. Right now it's just a pilot program. We're now going to be taking that program and putting it in all our community work. So. Again, it started as an advocacy research kind of project and will now filter down into our community project and hopefully we can implement real change on the ground. Mm -hmm. Those are our three big focal points, the Dead Sea, the Jordan River, the Mountain Aquifer, which are all shared water systems. Um, today, again, we have n realized after working many years that water because it's such a vital issue, um, it can be a cause for um, conflict. for a conflict, but can mm -hmm. also be a, uh, a, a right. It can it can also be a mechanism for change and for cooperation, because we are all so dependent on our shared water resource. Mm -hmm. And what one side does, the other it affects the other side as well. Mm -hmm. Instead of shooting ourselves in the legs, mm -hmm. what we're doing is showing that by working together, we will all benefit from cleaner water, not just ourselves, not just the other side, but together. That's what um, all our community work is about. Mm -hmm. So we, in, the, in our communities, in our Good Water Neighbors Project, we work with all sectors of society. We work with youth, we, with the adults in the communities, as well as the mayors and the municipalities. The youth, for instance, we have groups that we call water trustees, where they learn after school hours about their water, their neighbor's water. Um, they'll go on trips, they'll do water measurements, they'll um, do cleanup, of course, cleanup activities, that's your basic thing. But um, they also learn about their neighbor's water. They learn about conserving water and how important it is. Um, we had adults for several years in forums learning about all different kinds of environmental issues. Uh, we would bring it down to the community level. How does it affect your household? What can you do? You can compost. You can um, install 
rainwater harvesting systems, which we have done with the youth even in their school systems, um, something that they were very active in. Youth built models of how they can make a rainwater harvesting system, collect rainwater from the roofs of their school, school tops, mm -hmm. and use it, for instance, for a garden, something that can be applied anywhere, in any, in any building, in a home. Of course, it has to be built that way. But um, again, raising awareness, um, as especially to water conservation. Today, it's suddenly very popular because of the water crisis we're in. Um, we, we did not start this approach during this water crisis. We've, we've begun it many, many years ago. Um, water crises have returned um, several years at a time. But again, this is just our mission, our vision, that we need to conserve our water. It's a, a resource today in, in the age of global warming. Global warming, it's, um, it's a finite resource. So, um, again, our adults were very, were very active in the community. We also developed with the adults and a professional planner and with the input of the municipalities, also what we call neighbor's paths. The neighbor's paths were tours, little eco-tours that would take people through their community show them the beautiful areas of their community, and, and all of them, of course, do have, but also the problematic areas, environmentally speaking, and particularly on the water sources. What's different about these tours as other tours is that it gives a, a focus on the neighboring community across the border or across the Green Line so that you always get the regional picture of what the situation is. Um, with mayors, we worked very closely pairing up mayors from one community to the other, other community across the border, finding issues that are uh, of relevance to both of them. For instance, we have several communities that are paired up on either side of the Jordan River. Mm -hmm. This was one way, of course, to raise awareness about the river, but another way to think what can we do together to start to rehabilitate this river and at least to give, at least to raise awareness, at least to give some kind of political will, even if it's just on a municipality level, it's still a political will that will benefit the people. For instance, three of our communities are working towards promoting a peace park on the Lower Jordan River, right at an island where the Yarmouk and the Jordan River come together it's Jordanian territory, but Israelis are allowed onto this little island without a, without a passport or a visa. It's a special status agreement. Right at that area, we'd like to expand that special status agreement and create like a bubble, create a peace park. There are many of these parks around the world, even in conflict areas, and this is something that the mayors are excited about. It could give um, jobs to their communities that are lacking today, especially on the Jordanian side where there's a 40% unemployment population in that area. Um, and of course, this would be a, a lovely tourist spot where the water, um, where we would like to reflood an old reservoir that was used for the hydroelectric power plant that was once on the river. We would like to reflood that and turn it into a bird sanctuary. 
Um, all the infrastructure is still there. It's possible. The thing is, where is the water going to come from? And it has to be clean water. This is how we could get clean water back into the Jordan River, by creating a bird sanctuary, making it an economic benefit to everyone. And when people see the benefits that could come out of a park like this, we're not only restoring nature a little bit, we're not only attracting tourism, we're not only raising awareness, we're also giving jobs to people in the area. It's really a win-win situation. It's when you find something in common between the people that will benefit everyone by working together is when you build the relationships that begin the process of trust building, of peacemaking. And that's really, I mean, it's it, what we see in this Peace Park, for instance, is really um, all our work kind of coming together. It's, it all spells it there in this Peace Park. It's environment, and the, the environment knows no borders. Um, it's cultural heritage, natural heritage, it builds peace, mm -hmm. it benefits all the populations. Um, that, is, that is how we work. Okay, well, it sounds great. And, uh, I wish you much, much success. It's certainly needed. Especially now, as you mentioned, the water crisis. I think as we speak now in October 2008, Israel faces the worst drought in its history. And probably know the projections are for a possibility of 30% less rain. And when it does come, it's going to come down in torrents and all. So does this all make your work even more critical? Uh, it, it definitely makes our work more challenging, mm -hmm. yes, mm -hmm. and, and critical. And, um, you know, when we've been saying that the problem here is not that we don't have enough water. It's the way we manage the water that we do have. Um, unfortunately... Israel is still giving a lot of its fresh water as well, and Jordan as well, um, to agriculture, not and even even recycled water. Our problem is that we're giving in Israel, for instance, fifty percent of our water towards agriculture, where we get a return of about two or three percent to our GDP, which really does not make any sense anymore. Uh, when the country was new and it was growing and the Zionist dream was to make the desert bloom. Um, unfortunately, it does not work today with what we know about climate, con climate change, global warming, the water crisis. The, um, for instance, when we're growing tropical fruits in a desert area, such as bananas in the Jordan Valley, this is a bad example of water management um, bananas are water-guzzling crops. They should not be being grown in a semi-arid region. They're grown all over the Jordan Valley on all sides of the border by all the peoples. That's just one example. We should be moving towards agriculture that does not need so much water. There are indigenous crops that should be grown more, olive trees, date trees, grapes. They are all grown here, but they should be more of those. The markets are out there, but when farmers pay a, a tenth of a price for water than city dwellers, there's no reason for them to change their crop growing. There's no reason for them to use less water because they're getting water really for free almost. Mm -hmm. And what is happening, ironically, is that we're growing tropical fruits 
here with the water that we almost don't have, and then we're exporting them. We're exporting our water. It's madness. <laughs> our, our most uh, scarce and precious resource we're actually exporting. So, again, this all has to do with water management. We have to make a change. And the only good thing about the water crisis that is happening today, October 2008, is that maybe people will finally wake up mm -hmm. and see that we must make a change. Um, it's going to be very hard to ask for that water to be released back into nature, or at least some of it. That's true because people are focused on their drinking water, and that's legitimate. We need to work much more on conservation and on changing our priorities. Again, we can keep doing what we're doing, but it's not sustainable. Yeah. Today, the buzzword, the big word, is sustainability. Right. And if we want to leave this country, if we want this area, this country, Israel, for our, our, our grandchildren, we must think sustainable today, because then we're going to leave so many more problems for tomorrow. It's hard to do that. It means making policy changes. It means lobbying against very strong lobbies in all the countries here. But um, when again, when we show that there are alternatives, for instance, to water-guzzling agriculture, such as ecotourism projects, that will benefit the people as well, and create peace, and bring in more money, and try to preserve the environment, then um, th this is really what, we're, what we'll be trying to show more and more. So are there people in the Knesset that are sort of pushing for this? And I guess you're lobbying, but it seems like you know what's to be done. It's just a matter of getting the will. And it, it does seem kind of crazy to, to use water so wastefully when it's such a precious commodity, and it's going to get worse and worse according to projections and according to global warming. That's right. It's, um, it is very difficult to go to the Knesset level and to have people change regulations to make new ones. It's very nice to have all these advertisements on TV about the water crisis. We're drying up, save your water, but it stops there. We don't see any new regulations in place to back up this um, campaign. So we are pushing for that. Um, again, we're also doing a very important research project right now on the Lower Jordan River. Where could we take water from in order to return some fresh water to the Jordan River? There are things that can be done. We're doing, um, we're going to have a detailed plan of how we can do this instead of just, you know, having a grandiose idea. Soon we will have very specific, um, very specific action plans how to do this and we will advocate, and we will have many meetings. We are already presenting the idea next week at the Euromed ministerial meeting in Jordan. This project will hopefully be adopted by the, the Euromed program, and we just must, must put pressure any way we can on our governments, whether it be bottom-up, whether it be top-down, but we will most certainly make an impact. Mm -hmm. 
But I guess the future of Israel depends on all this. It's, uh, it can't live without water and any of the other environmental problems. So are you trying to get people more involved and in trying to reduce the effects of global warming? Because that, uh, of course, that's a worldwide problem, but it's, it may affect Israel at least as much, maybe more so than other countries. It, 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 it is a worldwide problem, of course. Um, we are, we don't have yet our climate change um, into our community awareness programs, but we have, again, we are working on it on the um, Israeli parliament level. We're producing a guidebook for Knesset members on what has been done in the world already, what can be applied to here, and to try to get them to move on um, seeing what actually what regulations can actually be taken here in in this country. Um, the problem is also with with the water crisis in general is that everybody is now looking towards desalination as the answer. We live right on the beach, mm-hmm. as if we have as much water as there is in the ocean is we have water to drink is what our water commissioner once said. Now. It's true that desalination has made leaps and bounds. It's much cheaper these days than it used to be. Um, On the other hand, it creates other problems. You have to burn fossil fuels Mm -hmm. in order to desalinate water. That it's, you know, right, it's, it's, uh, instead of fixing a problem, you're creating another one. Um, So, although limited desalination is certainly an answer, um, to some acute problems, but we don't see it as as the answer that everyone is is going. Instead of making more water, what we have to understand is we have to conserve sure. our water. Mm-hmm. I guess desalination is very expensive at a time when budgetary considerations are an important factor. Exactly. Um, e- even even though. Even though desalination has the price has come down, still when you factor everything in, if you factor then the problems that you make with fossil fuels and then how to 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 work on on reducing your global warming effect, it really isn't much cheaper. So again, instead of looking <coughs> narrowly at an issue, what we try to do is, as hard as it is to for people to understand it, we have to see things on a wider basis, and it's all spell sustainability, because without looking at things from its source all the way until its complete effects around it, we're really not doing very much except status quo, and that really must change. So uh, <coughs> you you work in cooperation with Jordan, other countries, around like, the Palestinians, etc. So how important is the peace process on on all this? And, and is your work, since you're working cooperatively, is that something that uh, might enhance the possibilities of peace? Um, yes. Well, the peace process, of course, is directly linked, affected, and... and mm-hmm etc. With, with all our work. When there's tension in the air, we, we do feel it. Um, it's sometimes difficult for our field staff to get around. They are sometimes um, treated as collaborators mm-hmm. by, by their populations. They have to keep a low profile. We completely understand that. But again, when we show that benefits come out of working together, 
Um, we don't have to sit and have coffee together. We don't have to become best friends, although that would be wonderful, and we are very in very good relations with all of our staff, of course, and, and many people in the communities as well. But the idea here is, is to show that, that the building blocks for peace, trust building, um, learning to respect the other, again, way be, this is all way before we actually become friends. That th these are things that we're working on through our work. It's very connected. Um, we don't. We work in the environment, but because the environment is all around us, we we have to work all together. So, again, showing the benefits of this working together is so much easier than just trying to sit people down and to talk about peace. Talking about peace is is not doing peace. Oh, and we feel that we're doing peace because a clean Jordan River, uh, uh, a, a Dead Sea that we can all be proud of and hopefully one day um, list it as a World Heritage Site, which then we will all benefit from, from the tourism that comes out of it, from a, a proper management plan, from preserving this pearl of the world. Um, it, it all is about working together and it's about benefiting all of us. So it's directly, directly linked towards working together and, and, and the peace process. So are you optimistic about the possibility of restoring the Dead Sea and uh, the Jordan to flowing uh, much more strongly like it used to? Well, I, I must be optimistic <laughs> because I get up for work every morning. <laughs> um, it's very difficult because today there's another plan on the table that is crying as if it's the best peace project that's going to save the Dead Sea. Um, unfortunately, we think it's going to create many more problems, and I'm talking about the Red Dead Canal um, that's supposed to channel water in from the Red Sea 200 kilometers north and spill water into the Dead Sea. It's between Israel and Jordan, although the Palestinians are also on board. That was a prerequisite of the World Bank who is managing this project. Um, but Friends of the Earth Middle East is, is not yet against the actual canal because the, f the feasibility study has not yet been completed. What we're against is the fact that no other solutions to the Dead Sea are being seriously looked at. Um, after we've campaigned for this for several years to the World Bank, we have managed to get the Jordan River looked at as an alternative to saving the Dead Sea. Unfortunately, though, not on the same level. The Red Dead Canal is being studied by independent studies. The Jordan River alternative is now going to be studied by our governments. And it is our governments that actually have signed on to the Red Dead Canal. So there's a real conflict of interest here. We are not pleased with the way this alternative is being studied. So we are still campaigning to have the Jordan River alternative to saving the Dead Sea and the Jordan River as a byproduct. Um, we're still campaigning very hard for it to be studied properly with giving it enough time, enough money by independent assessors, the same as the Red Dead Canal is being studied. There are even other alternatives that maybe need to be studied. Um, they have been raised at World Bank hearings, which we've attended as well. But certainly the Jordan River, which finally 
everyone is talking about today, we believe due to our campaign. Um, so until that won't be studied, we will not rest. So am I optimistic? Well, today, if the Jordan River is on everybody's table, and, and it really was not until we raised this campaign, then, then yes, I'm optimistic that we're making an impact, that people will listen, that today the environment community in Israel in general has grown by leaps and bounds so um, we're raising I think the awareness in Jordan as well um, in Palestine it's a little more difficult they have other pressing issues to realize but in the end if we don't have water or you know clean air and mm -hmm. groundwater to drink from we're, we're going to be in bigger trouble the peace process will 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 certainly not take off if we have nowhere to live. Mm -hmm. So, priorities and priorities. Okay, well, I want to thank you very much. I'm just wondering if you want to either summarize or if you have anything you think uh, should be stated that maybe we just haven't covered. If you've covered it all, fine. <laughs> mm, yeah, I think... Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think um, the, the biggest message that Friends of the Earth Middle East... Uh, would, is trying to bring across again is that when all the people benefit on working on a project even if it's environmental mm -hmm. then people will work together and then peace will simply happen it will force our politicians to follow us mm -hmm. as opposed to the other way around